0: Welcome to Shine Your Light. This is your host, Megan Wollover, and today we have a very, very special episode of Shine Your Light. Today we are in celebration of the upcoming Pride Parade this weekend. We are speaking with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. The sisters are a leading-edge order of queer nuns. Since their first appearance in San Francisco on Easter Sunday, 1979, the sisters have devoted themselves to community service, fundraising, ministry, and outreach to those on the edges, and to promoting human rights, respect for diversity, and spiritual enlightenment. Mary Peter... Who is with us today? Sister Mary Peter and Sister Mayjoy be with you. And hundreds of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and straight members of the order spread across four continents. And they share the belief that all people have the right to express their unique joy and beauty. And they use humor and irreverent wit to expose the forces of bigotry, complacency, and guilt that chain the human spirit. So today, we're going to be talking with the sisters. Drum roll, maestro,
1: please. Sisters, sisters, there were never such devoted sisters. Never had to have a chaperone, no, no sir. sir. I'm there to keep my eye on her. Carrie,
0: Sherry. Welcome, Sister May Joy and Sister Mary Peter.
2: Thank you thank very you, much. Thank you.
0: I am so honored to have you on our show today, spreading joy and shining your own beautiful, unique, individual lights.
2: Pleasure to be here amplifying all the joy before pride. It's mm-hmm. fabulous.
0: So um, tell me a little bit about your journey into the sisterhood. Whichever one of you sort of feels the spirit leading you.
2: Uh, okay. Well, mine started when I was really young. Uh, I was going to Catholic school and uh, surrounded by a bunch of very strong militant Irish women named Mary Paul and Mary Frank and all the other Marys. And uh, they inspired me. Hail and, Mary. Indeed. Hail Mary passes. But uh, uh, it was when I was actually in university and I was researching at the LGBTQ archives in Toronto that I stumbled on a little shoebox of things about a group of gay men who dressed in drag as nuns in Toronto and were very important in our political days when there were bathhouse raids and we were trying to get our civil rights. But they were gone. And uh, at the same time, I was working with the Radical Fairies, and uh, folks suggested I go for a gathering down in Short Mountain, Tennessee. I did, and the very first person I met was this little wizard of a man with a gray beard named uh, Mish who uh, met me with uh, rubber boots and a little— ballet skirt and then had me kind of tend to the land and through the course of that week together I found out he was actually the founders of the sisters Mm -hmm. and uh, before the gathering was over he put a white veil on my head in a ceremony and I took the name Mary Peter uh, with an e because there are enough Marys in the world somebody (laughs) needs to be happy and uh, he sent me back to build a convent in Toronto and start the missions Uh, no playbook no uh, so it was all kind of experimental Mm. and uh, that worked for about 10 years and then I came out here and met my sisters in San Francisco, and it's been just a fabulous journey ever since. So. And
0: you were telling me um, before we started recording that your Toronto mission was the first mission that the sisters, That's right. the sisters it was, experimented yeah, with. Yeah, it was
2: one of the very first missions that was inspired after San Francisco, and then we spread to Australia, and we're now in 20 different countries across the world, uh, compromising, I think, five or six different languages between
3: us.
0: Fabulous. Mm-hmm. What about you, Mayjoy?
3: Well, I first uh, learned about... The Sisters of Perpetual Intelligence was when I was on a high school field trip to San Francisco to see a chorus line in 1981, and I saw them and they were striking and beautiful and I knew that uh, I wanted to be a sister. And um, five years ago, I felt that I had the work skills that were um, important to being a good sister and uh, approached the order and went through initiation formally. And um, this last Easter was my third year anniversary as a fully fully professed member.
0: So, say more about work skills. What does that mean?
3: Well, I um, do a lot of harm reduction counseling, and my specialties the last fifteen years has been working with um, folks that are at risk for infectious disease, mm. um, people that use needles, that um, use substances, people that. Um, might have a lot of sex or having a lot of sex might put themselves at risk for infectious disease or STDs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I felt that being a sister would let me take those skills of dialogue just even one notch higher and be available to the community. And then I learned that, oh, it does, and uh, I'm even more available to the community of which I take vows to be of service to.
0: Fabulous. We're going to cut to commercial, and we'll come back and continue our conversation with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence.
4: You're listening to Energy Talk Radio, conscious radio for a new era of hope. Our inspirational and fun shows help you to enjoy a better day while shifting global consciousness. Our fun and inspirational talk shows will empower you, our listeners, sponsors, and hosts, to experience the joy of creating a more peaceful, joyful, and beautiful world. 30% of our proceeds go to various charities we sponsor each month. This month, we're sponsoring the Tripura Foundation. For more information about the Tripura Foundation, please go to www.tripurafoundation.org. That's Tripura, T-R-I-P-U-R-A, foundation.org. Thanks for listening. Please contact us with your favorite charitable organization by emailing us at info at energytalkradio.com. That's info at energytalkradio.com.
0: Do you want to feel powerful and inspired by your life? Do you want to heal so that your past no longer dictates your future? Do you want to see and be seen as the magnificent being you truly are deep down inside or believe that you could be? This is Megan Wallever. My practice, Emerge Healing, helps you shift from feeling stuck to being struck by the magnificence of who you truly are. I am a teacher, a healer, and an evolutionary catalyst, and I offer programs, classes, and healings that activate the dormant potential inside of you. I've spent over 30 years studying and practicing healing in its various forms, and I have certification in over 20 different healing modalities, including hypnotherapy, energy healing, Bodywork, work, coaching, intuitive guidance, and 22-strand DNA activations. Visit my website at EmergeHealing.com to learn more. And while you're there, sign up for my newsletter, Radiant Living, and receive tips, tools, and inspiration for living a magnificent life.
1: Sisters, sisters,
0: Welcome back to Shine Your Light in our special episode with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. So they are perpetually indulging me today by gracing my awesome um, studio here with their beautiful, fabulous presence. And um, I'm trying to get more adjectives in there, but, you know, I'm just overflowing with the... The descriptions, it's all the feathers. We're sitting in the hat, in the in the studio here um because you can't see us um, with fabulous hats on because the the sisters also have a day jobs, so they can't walk around all the time with white face and wimples on, although I'm sure they would love to or other habits on. So we have fabulous hats on today mm-hmm. with lots of feathers to sort of get us in the sisterly mood. And my hat, I'm having prop.
2: We're having technical difficulties. We're having technical yes.
0: difficulties with my fabulous hat. Just doesn't want to stay on. So uh, tell me, Sister Mary Peter and Sister Mayjoy, about the the Sisters of Perpetual Adulgence for the uninitiated. Who are you and what do you do?
3: That's a great question, and I think that that's one of the most common questions that people ask me when they see me on the street out um, in my bad habits. And um, the way that I answer that is um, I explain that we are a 21st century order of queer nuns that um, take vows uh, to promulgate universal joy and to expiate stigmatic guilt. Mm. The promulgation of joy is one that people get very naturally and very easily. Uh, When I explain that our second vow is to expiate stigmatic guilt, I kind of get some quizzical uh, looks. And so I explain uh, expiation of stigmatic guilt. It's a big word, you know. It's a lot of syllables, (laughs) and with makeup and lashes, it doesn't always roll out easily.
2: But if you breathe, it goes in quite smoothly.
3: So So I explain uh, stigmatic guilt to be um, anywhere that there is an environment that judgment or shame or guilt are used to, uh, to prevent people from developing into the fully divine and divinity that they are. Um, it's my vow and my purpose as a sister to kind of shed some light on that situation, um, so that that may be corrected in time, mm-hmm. and that those folks that are being stigmatized may be able to uh, feel and be themselves.
0: And how do you guys do that? How do you help <clears throat> bring about that that understanding of divinity in the individual, or at least you know a sense of, of joy and?
2: Well, I think that's freedom. a very straight straightforward personal interaction. I mean, one of the things that often comes up with sisters is people, some people who don't understand us ask if we're mocking nuns. And one of the answers that I give is no, we're celebrating a very ancient vocation that's been carried by women in many traditions for centuries. And all we're doing is we're taking it outside the convent wall and sticking it in the middle of the street corner and in the bar and on the bus and in the Muni station uh, where people need that kind of love and joy. And uh, in my own ministry like Mayjoy, one of the things I do is I'm often on the streets with people, and I'm in quick conversations, or this weekend we have Pink Saturday, where about 10,000 of our closest friends are going to be in the Castro, and you meet a lot of folks, and I carry a little mirror on my uh, necklace with me, and it reminds me that my vocation as a sister is to be a mirror reflecting back the joy that people are too shy to claim in their natural lives, and a lot of what we do is when you meet someone like me, who's six feet six, practically two meters tall, and I'm standing in a giant gold may dress with feathers festooned off my head and white face and jewels, it sort of breaks the connection to reality for a brief moment. And people, surprisingly, bear their hearts and souls very directly to you. And even in a matter of seconds, you're able to go in like a divine little ray of light and find that little corner in their heart where they're afraid or hurt, or they can't really come out and see people for who they really are. And I just shine joy and affirmation and love in that. And uh, in my own work, I use a lot of uh, humor and an awful lot of glitter. Glitter is a sacrament. And, uh, you know, we bless people. And in that conversation that happens, uh, they unfold things that are surprising. And uh, they walk away. Uh, One of the things we always bless them with is go and sin some more, right? The idea is that you, you haven't really lived fully enough. You're you're holding yourself back and and the whole thing about perpetual indulgence is the sense of permissioning mission that that really you're a bigger person than you allow yourself to be every day and the bigger you can be and the tighter the connections are between us the more the light shines out of everyone so it's it's not about a particular vision or journey or spirituality it's really about touching directly into someone and 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 seeing the joy that's been there from the beginning but maybe got stuck in a backwater and blowing the dam up and letting it flow freely.
0: Mm-hmm. My experience of um, of your work as a, as an order has been um, there is a an awe that I feel in the presence of the sisters and a reverence, not in a um, um, in an otherworldly kind of way. So to stand face-to-face with a sister in all of her gloriousness is to touch just a little bit of that divinity. Um, The way that you would feel with any holy person, but um, with that otherworldly quality that the sisters so beautifully bring, um, and and my heart opens so wide— and there's not there's not even really words to explain it. I just I just feel it in my body. I feel the openness. I feel the joy. I feel my my crown open and and just this sense of ab- absolute embracing. Right, the permission that is there to just be in the fullness of whoever it is, I sort of like to say I came out of the closet into my fabulousness a few years ago, you know, when I when I really stepped into what you were just talking about, you know, what are the ways that I've sort of held back my own my own growth and my own personal expression through through fear or conditioning mm-hmm. or you know all those all those little things that that we grow up with or from our from our families or our cultures and so there um, there is just that sense um, of being with the sisters and having this this the, the the mirror of what I feel is inside of me you know you guys sort of express on the outside what what I know is sort of inside in there somewhere.
2: Well, and I think you're touching on something, Megan, for us, a lot of people ask us why wear the white face. And not all sisters do. Some people just wear their normal daily face underneath their habits. and uh, But we wear the white face in San Francisco. The tradition for us is it's, it's a shamanic one. Yes. It's the idea of putting on a mask as the holy fool, not to disguise your identity or who you are, but to really project the power in you. And then to pick up, you know, as Mayjoy was saying, the tool bag of a sister. And I think some people... Their experience of us is on reverence. Other people are terrified and run the other way. And some people are simply spellbound, going, What the hell just got off the bus there? Um, but I think what we do is we take all these tools in daily life that people don't think are sacred camp, uh, dick jokes, uh, fabulously slutty humor, um, bad choreography. <laughs> very bad choreography, yes. Unrehearsed. Unrehearsed. Spontaneous eruptions of fabulousness and we use that just to shift aside all those voices put them on mute that say you're you should be ashamed of who you are you're not enough you need more things and just to just to create an open space in which there's a conversation with the beauty that's inside you and uh i think when people see us it it we did this wonderful thing during the holidays where we carolled throughout the city about 20 nuns we took over union square and Sang traditional carols and then other ones like, you know, oh, little leather boy and uh, happy dildo tree and a few things like that. And it just, it caught people in the, it shut down traffic on Powell Street as we walked up. And then the whole of Union Square was filled with people. And I think for the first time, they looked at that giant tree and said, that's right, that's a symbol of a phallus.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
2: right, the point of this is to connect us into our bodies and into the earthy energy of who we are. And not to look for salvation someplace else, but right here in the middle of the square. Right. And it it just the craziest groupings of people came up talking to us about that.
0: Well, and the, and the and the the winter solstice, right, being the mm-hmm. return of the sun god.
2: That's right. Yeah. Right? It's a, it's basically the journey of a sister. I think, Majo, you might have a different view too, but I think it's this idea of reclaiming, reclaiming the wonder in everyday life, and saying to the people who have an ideology or a bias. Sit down for a little while. There are older people here that want to talk about you and uh, want, to, want, want you to see things maybe you've put away for a while. So let's unpack the big drag box and see all these wonderful things from all these traditions and our personal experiences, and let's create a costume no one's ever seen before, and it'll be divine. And uh, that's a lot of our work.
0: Um, so many thoughts running through my head. How, do, how does one become a nun?
3: One becomes a nun by showing up, Being present and following the instructions of the Mistress of Novices. I speak for the San Francisco Order. The San Francisco Order has an elected position, that is the Mistress of Novices. And the Mistress of Novices is responsible for any initiate in the order. Uh, Currently in San Francisco, there are four levels of um, progress toward becoming a fully professed member. The first one begins with aspirancy, which is a minimum of two months During that time, we invite aspirants just to come and meet the sisters and see what we do in the community to help out, to help us fold chairs, to set up tables, to carry glitter. Um, After aspirancy, with a 50% election of fully professed votes, um, an individual can become a postulant. Postulancy is the first time that an individual is actually a member of the order, and uh, for the next four to six months... Um, that individual will wear um, a white robe and uh, never be out more than an elbows away from a fully professed member. Will not speak for the order, and will be present while looking for a sponsor. And the sponsor, um, at the next level, um, that in, the postulant will go to um, becoming a novice and actually a sister. Uh, novice, being a novice sister. My own personal experience was I think I slept in my wimple for about a day and a half (laughs) and didn't take my first white veil off, and it was just so amazing. And um, white veils, you can always tell a novice none um, because uh, they can only wear white material uh, on their headpiece. Mm. And that is a minimum of six months, during which time you are required to attend all official sister events to attend all meetings, to uh, participate on subcommittees of the order, whether it's for Bingo or Pink Saturday or Easter, and uh, to put together a novice project. Mm. Uh, An example of a novice project, um, for my process, I uh, did uh, a party on St. Patrick's Day called Shamrock and Shenanigans uh, with Michael Brandon and um, raised $3,000 for uh, sex worker health care. And uh, actually, had such a good time that we did it. We continued it two more years after that. So in three years, I raised about twelve grand for uh, occupational safety and health of sex workers. And then, in addition to doing all those things, you have to go to the archives and spend time in the archives,
0: learning about learning
3: the, about the order history. and uh, right.
0: So there's a lot of order to the order.
2: There is. Well, yeah. there's a lot of process because, really, if you cut to the chase, really, how do you become a nun? You see someone like us and you go, oh my god. And there's a revelation and you go, that's who I am. That's what happened to me. I, I spent a lot of time writing a theology degree at the University of Toronto, trying to figure out if I was going to be a priest, being a community activist, being a gay broadcaster. And finally, there was no crucible in which all those things could kind of be burned together and made into gold. And then I saw those pictures of those men standing on the street with signs protesting the government's oppression of gay sex. And I thought, that's who I am. Mm-hmm. And then it was a weird journey to get there. I mean, finding I thought it was a Canadian thing until Mish set me right. Uh, there's still dispute about that. But, um, but the wonderful thing is there's, there's now enough of us around that you don't have to go without a playbook. People can help break you in and show you that your, your vision is connected to a story. And then the wonderful thing that Majoy talks about in the process is it's not just about completing the steps or doing certain things. It's about unfolding your unique sister because there's, it's not like we put a character on. It's not like being in theater where you take on a persona. Who we are as nuns is just an amplification of who we are as people. And, you know, Mayjoy touched on it. When you become a novice, you take vows. And for those of many different traditions, a vow is a promise you make to the universe where you hold yourself accountable and you take a responsible point of view in front of the world in which you live and you say, I give my life in service. And so, whether you see us in all our finery on Pride Day or today, just in what we call our mufti—you know, our, our daily drag—we're uh, your no, muggle clothes. Our muggle clothes. We're no more or less a nun, and and even when we're sitting here like this, there's a part of us that's trying to push the veil just a little bit wider, so you can catch that shimmering taffeta mm-hmm. kind of at the mm-hmm. edge of your day, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's really a universal vocation that's open to anyone. Mm-hmm. A lot of people thought it in the beginning it was very much just gay men, mm-hmm. but now the, the order embraces everyone. So we have uh, differently gendered people, we have women, we have uh, straight identified folks with us, young and old. Uh, and the more diversity in the order, the more diversity of expression of sisterhood. So
0: I would venture to guess there's a sister inside of each of us. If
2: we look deep enough. I think the vocation is stronger than anyone thinks. I would capitalize that venture. Just a
4: little tickle.
0: Yeah. We're going to cut to commercial and we'll come back and continue talking with the Sisters of Perpetual
1: Indulgence.
4: You're listening to Energy Talk Radio, conscious radio for a new era of hope. Our inspirational and fun shows help you to enjoy a better day while shifting global consciousness. Our fun and inspirational talk shows will empower you, our listeners, sponsors, and hosts, to experience the joy of creating a more peaceful, joyful, and beautiful world. 30% of our proceeds go to various charities we sponsor each month. This month, we're sponsoring the Tripura Foundation. For more information about the Tripora Foundation, please go to www.triporafoundation.org. That's Tripora, T-R-I-P-U-R-A, foundation.org. Thanks for listening. Please contact us with your favorite charitable organization by emailing us at info at energetalkradio.com. That's info at energytalkradio.com.
1: Have fun with talented musicians, wonderful artists, fun and loving folks who explore the spirituality of silliness. Come laugh with us on Monkey Minds. (laughs) Yes, this is Carol
5: Channing. Isn't it wonderful to be in the city of love, San Francisco, my hometown. Welcome to Energy Talk Radio. We're trying to rid the world of hunger, thirst, and poverty. When you tune into us, remember when I was shot out of that cannon in Thoroughly Modern Millie. You'll just shout, "Raspberries!" Tune into Happy Hour with Adam Sandel for an hour of entertainment, enlightenment and attitude adjustment. Join playwright, lyricist, and journalist Adam Sandell for a celebration of what makes us happy. From pop culture to comedy, exploring topics both trivial and profound. For more information, please visit our schedule page to find out when you can listen to Happy Hour with Adam Sandel.
0: Welcome back to Shine Your Light and our special sisterly episode with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence in honor of Pride Week and Pride Parade this weekend. So what do you guys have planned for the um, the upcoming festivities this weekend?
2: Well, Major, you're doing an event this evening, I think, right?
3: Um not the, my event this evening is to lay out all the clothes for all of the events that I'm doing that's <laughs> no, right, of course, <laughs> um and just looking at my little index card that I was looking um, we have a lot going on, clearly, and first off, I just need to say during Pride week, I'm proud to be a sister mm-hmm. and really proud of all my other sisters and really proud of San Francisco and what it, it's been for for queer history and just pride um there is a Something tomorrow night at Yerba Buena Center for the Arts, uh, Ritual Mayhem. Mm-hmm.
2: That's at uh, 701 Mission Street for those of you in or near San Francisco, the Yerba Buena Arts Center. Starts at 6.30 and it's open to the public and it's going to be lots of sisters. do. If you like performance art and spontaneous ritual, that's really the place to be.
1: Yes, please.
2: Yes, well, more of that. So come on down to Yerba Buena. Uh, that's tomorrow night, the 25th at 6.30. Saturday, of course, is an institution.
3: We... Uh, host Pink Saturday, which is the big... Can we say that this year, sister? We can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. That's so nice to be able to say. Mm-hmm. Saturday is Pink Saturday on the airwaves. That's
2: right. We had a little bit of an issue with the city trying to squeeze out some non-profits and make profit for themselves, but mm-hmm. we negotiated that pretty well, and mm-hmm. props out to Bevan Dufty and other people who really supported us there. But what we do is we shut down the Castro, and then uh, we're. some people think of it as the landing place for the Dyke March, which is kind of what we are. We're a cushy little feathered uh, spot where the Dyke March comes through. But it's really a gathering place for everybody who wants to come together the night before Pride. And we'll have uh, three or four main stages in the area. Uh, There'll be entertainment, and uh, all we ask is, it's free to the public, but we really ask that you make a $7 donation as you come through the gates because that event funds a lot of the charity work that we do throughout the year. And one of the things about us in San Francisco is we're very big on promoting Support for organizations that can't find funding through the big streams. So in the last couple of years, we've supported everything from a lesbian teen zine magazine on harm reduction to a Korean gay and lesbian youth center in the sunset to uh, our traditional HIV and AIDS outreach support and women's breast cancer, Hetrick Martin.
3: And to a women's clinic in India. Yeah, yeah.
2: So
0: that actually that brings up a, a great point because you guys aren't just here in the city, right? You're all over. So all of we our are listeners, everywhere. yes, we
3: come out every day.
2: Yeah. So if you're around in if you're around in the United States, there are actually twelve orders across the country, from the Northwest all the way through the Midwest and down to Tampa in Florida. Uh, six of those houses started in the last three years. We've had an amazing growth spurt, mm. and then we've got six different missions again everywhere. The the most recent one, a shout out to the world's biggest little sisters in Reno, Nevada who had their official missionary coming out party two weeks ago uh, at the casino there. They're amazing. Uh, and then we also have new missions maybe springing up in Toronto and in Montreal and in Vancouver. We've got our Seattle sisters going up for that, too.
0: And don't forget Paris.
2: No, we've got two different convents in She's Paris. separate. Because Paris. there are so many different outfit and wardrobe choices, one convent can't contain them. <laughs> And then we're actually in 20 different countries in Australia, Germany, Austria, France, Britain, Scotland. We're in Colombia and Uruguay. We have a new convent in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And uh, we're just everywhere. And uh, the nice thing is for our 30th anniversary this Easter, we had about 200 nuns come from all over the world to celebrate with us for a week. It was the most mind-blowing experience, Megan. I mean... So many different languages. It was like the UN with feathers and diamonds trying to translate. And And
0: glitter. Don't forget the glitter.
2: Tons, tons and metric tons of glitter. Yeah. But it was great to see everybody and so much diversity. But at the end of the day, people who just give their lives to help others and make the world a brighter place.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. So um, tell me about um, what... Tell me about some of the issues that um, that you guys are working on right now. There's so many, so many different vital, vitally important um, things that are happening right now in in the realm of of um, gay rights and um, and HIV and AIDS awareness. So, what are the ways that the sisterhood is involved with with these different Prop Eight, all that, all that?
3: One of the ways that um, I personally have been involved. Um, is with the Proposition 8, is to um, participate in some civil rights marches. Um, as Sister Major will be with you, I joined One Struggle, One Fight, um, which was a, a, mar- a six-day march to from San Francisco to Sacramento. Mm. And uh, we walked the entire way, and um, at night we would stay with different congregations and have an exchange. Uh, during the day, we'd do community service in different towns. Um, that was really, really amazing a number of sisters also went down to meet in the middle which was in Fresno which was the Saturday after the supreme court ruling um, the issue of um relationship and love and unconditional love is the point that is my ministry and uh i i feel that um in my work as a sister i have been in hospital emergency rooms sitting with a partner of um someone who's in the next door in the room next door And uh, not able to get information unless we call 500 miles away to talk with their direct kin because the physician won't speak to us. And uh, that's incredibly painful and um, difficult. And uh, I really wish for my work to um, alleviate some of that. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Then one of the other big things we've taken on along with Prop 8 uh, often the sisters, the reason we're there, what we bring to the table that's unique is sometimes our our civil rights struggle gets caught in the sense that we're the next wave, not today's wave, that this is not a convenient time to bother President Obama with, with full rights for everyone. And sometimes our official leadership, the folks in the nice pinstripe suits and the skirts, uh, try to shuffle along and think that constant conversation and negotiation will get our rights to us. And what the sisters do and have been doing ever since 1979 is saying, we win our rights through struggle, and we cannot be afraid to take the streets and make your life inconvenient until you recognize how terribly inconvenient the lack of full equality is in our culture. And so... One of the great events after the election when we had that huge rally down—well, how many huge rallies have we had at City Hall? I mean, at some point they're just going to put a conveyor belt between the Castro and City Hall because (laughs) gay rights activists, you know, put a latte station down there and a martini bar and we'll just be on a perpetual loop. But we we took it over, and when the talking got to be too much and you could see the crowd feeling like this is not enough, we were the ones that said, it's the time to take to the streets. And blessings to Pollo Del Mar— the drag queen who became the icon of the movement. She was sitting there with her little red rocket wagon and a bullhorn trying to make people go to the streets. And then she saw us and said, follow the sisters. Mm. And suddenly everyone did. So at the front of the line, we're going, where will we be going today? And uh, what the sisters did is moved us down and into Chinatown and North Beach and all the places we don't go Because it's not the Castro that's voting against us, it's the other folks. And so it's that sense of being the consciousness and the the take-the-streets people that is a very important part of our legacy and what we bring back to the table.
0: And Pollo, David, I've just turned your mic on, Pollo has a show.
6: Yes, Ruffling Feathers with Pollo Del Mar here on Energy Talk Radio. You have to listen. She's a lot of fun. She gets a little rambunctious sometimes, but we enjoy it.
2: (laughs) But we want to celebrate her because, you know, in drag queen culture, ego is pretty important. And I have never seen a drag queen take her ego and put it on the shelf like Pollo did and become the goddess who carried the movement and gently and lovingly encouraged people to be out there and be proud and really tell people the story. And, uh, you know, this is the 40th anniversary of Stonewall we're celebrating, and the truth is no great gay revolution has ever happened without a drag queen. From the very first bar where Puerto Rican drag queens were the ones that broke the windows and beat up the police and the little rent boys went behind them, uh, to this Proposition 8 where people got tired of having folks Twitter and send messages to Diane Feinstein, gay people do your hair, Diane, and pick your wardrobe. Don't you think it's time to repay us? And... uh understand you stepped over the body of Harvey Milk to get your power, so maybe you owe us a little something in this debate. Just saying. Just saying. See if you're aware of it. But uh, we're the folks that bring the energy to it. And uh, sometimes people find that uncomfortable, but we do it with a sense of openness and humor. It's not about shaming people. It's about naming truth. And uh, it's holding that giant mirror to our culture and saying, it is an inconvenient time, but the time is now. And we must be present. Absolutely. For this to happen.
3: We will never underestimate the power of small incremental change on a day-to-day basis. But there will be no change unless we are present now making the change or working towards the change.
0: Well, and frankly, there is never a convenient time, right? Mm-hmm. It's always about learning how to be in the moment and be present in the moment. And and I mean one of the things that um that really drives my personal ministry is is just asking myself every day, how can I serve? Okay, spirit. God, universe, goddess, however you want to language that, show me today. Show me today how I can make a difference. Show me today how I can be of service. And then and then, right, when we ask that question, we have to actually get quiet enough to to hear, or we have to be at least centered enough inside of us so that we can notice when the promptings of spirit happen, so that we can follow those little rabbit trails of destiny. Mm-hmm. You know, because it doesn't usually come down like tablets off the mountain. Hello, Megan. This is God. Go down to the corner of Fifth and Mission, and you know, it's more like, hmm. You know, what do I? What? Where am I flowing today? Where's my energy flowing today? What? Is, what? You know, what would bring joy into my life? And then, and then, co-creating that way.
2: That's right, and that's a lot of what I think we do as sisters is we amplify the joy by opening up the space for those kinds of rituals and sacred connections. So uh, at one of the marches when Poyo we were coming back through the Polk and we shut down Van Ness for a little while, we came back to City Hall with probably still about 5,000 people behind us. And you could see the cops visibly nervous that something was going to happen because it was so organic. And so the dozen sisters that were there simply ran up to City Hall and formed a phalanx of feathers and glitter, uh, and held the line. And then what we did is we created a, a a conscious intention that this was going to be a celebration, and we grounded this march that had gone on for about five hours uh, with a little bit of spontaneous ritual. And we asked everybody to put their signs down because folks had heard our message, and we asked them to turn to one another because the thing that would win the day would be our relationships, and we asked everyone to hold hands and gaze into the eyes of the person across from them and then we stomped our feet and grounded the energy there so the people in the court would feel the vibration and then we raised our hands heavenward and we screamed out our mantra which is one joy more joy always joy and then we just said blessed be we've told you we love you now go home mm. and everybody did they just dispersed and the cop said that's the Best march we've ever been to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I had just this moment as you were talking about that of of seeing, really your your habits, your your um, uniforms, if you will, as as holding that that, not only that that sacred space that we were talking about earlier, but also the um, the level of uh, of awareness to be able to to harness and channel the energy. So there's something. Um, almost um, intangibly like I can't quite articulate what it is but that that holding of that that energy um, and the power that comes through with that it's like the um, uh, not a police force but definitely a governing body
3: I think that um, some of my sisters refer to that as the mantle of authority yeah possibly yeah that um, that is held through the history and I'm I'm we, I'm fortunate to be uh, in an in order where there have been lots and lots of sisters before me doing really crazy, weird stuff. So I'm kind of also cursed <laughs> uh, when I go out and be present. But, um, yeah.
0: Well, and I think that that mantle of authority is, um, is that, that piece of, of awareness that, um, that is brought to the sisters because of the order within the order. So this isn't just somebody showing up and throwing on a nun's habit. But this is – it is an initiation process, right? And in any sort of sacred initiation, one must go through, as you were talking about, the lifting of the veils of one's own consciousness, of one's own um, – um, insight into yourself to really find the essence of that and be able to then take on that energy with a sense of authority and authenticity and integrity. Um, and I think that's really why the power of of the the energy that you show up in, in, in habit or, or out of habit, um, it becomes your ownership of that that divine energy inside of you that, that, is, that, is, recognized, that is recognized. We're going to cut to commercial and we'll come back and continue talking about
1: Energy Talk Radio, fun and inspirational radio that makes
5: a difference. Hi, I'm Kim Hess, your Divorce Guru. Are you considering or been through a divorce? Need some motivation, sympathy, or humor? Tune in to Divorce Guru to listen, share, and learn how to make your life better after divorce than it was before through information, motivation, and humor. Go to the schedule page to see when you can listen to Divorce Guru on EnergyTalkRadio.com. You can also visit me at www.KimHess.com and check out my national divorce column on TheExaminer.com, search word Kim Hess. Remember to listen to Divorce Guru, turning challenges into triumphs.
6: Please tune in to listen to Life Without Limitation with Mike Michaud. Explore stories of miracles, wellness, prosperity, and enlightenment through sound meditation and transformational thought processes. The show is inspired by and based on the teachings of spiritual leader Dattatreya Shiva Baba, the YouTube guru, who inspired best-selling author Dr. Wayne Dyer to write Manifest Your Destiny. The show is hosted by Mike Michaud, a student of Dr. Treyashiva Baba who experienced miraculous recovery from HIV and AIDS over seven years ago and survived a major heart procedure without anesthesia through meditations taught to him by Dr. Treyashiva Baba. Please visit our schedule page to learn when you can listen to Life Without Limitation with Mike Michaud.
5: Energy Talk Radio. Fun and inspirational talk radio making a, a
6: difference. difference
0: to your life Woo-hoo! do you want to feel powerful and inspired by your life do you want to heal so that your past no longer dictates your future do you want to see and be seen as the magnificent being you truly are deep down inside or believe that you could be this is Megan Wollever My practice, Emerge Healing, helps you shift from feeling stuck to being struck by the magnificence of who you truly are. I am a teacher, a healer, and an evolutionary catalyst, and I offer programs, classes, and healings that activate the dormant potential inside of you. I've spent over 30 years studying and practicing healing in its various forms, and I have certification in over 20 different healing modalities, including hypnotherapy, energy healing. Bodywork, work, coaching, intuitive guidance, and 22-strand DNA activations. Visit my website at EmergeHealing.com to learn more. And while you're there, sign up for my newsletter, Radiant Living, and receive tips, tools, and inspiration for living a magnificent life.
1: devoted sisters, never had to have a chaperone, no sir, I'm there to keep my eye on her, caring, sharing...
0: Welcome back to Shine Your Light. We're having a really beautiful, inspiring conversation today with um, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And um, we were just uh, on the break having a uh, passionate discussion about... The embodiment of the sisterhood, which, you know, going back to what I said earlier about the sister being inside of us all, it really what – I, what I hear and what I feel is, as I'm talking to the two of you today and, and just as I've experienced the, the sisters in, in the city here, is that um, getting oneself out of the way so that something greater – can come through, and we talk about that a lot um, on on my show um, about being able to to step into that alignment with the divine, so that 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 energy or that light, that high frequency vibration, can move through you. And it really is only when we um, when we say, okay, you know, there is something greater that wants to express through me, and all of the. Fears and doubts and worries and concerns that I have are 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 really um, they're really masks. They're really. Um their there's screens that, that are that are filtering or that are blocking that that pure that essence that God energy that wants to come through me and um and the power of what I sense in the work that that you are doing is that you have, have learned how to tap that in yourself, in each other, and then hold the resonant field of that, right? Hold the field which creates this great integrity within the work. And what we were talking about is how it's not about one sister really having all of the power and everybody else falling in line like, you know, little baby ducks behind the mother, but really um, each sister awakening that radiant God potential inside of herself and then holding that in sacred um, union or in, in sacred co-creativity with the rest of the sisters in the order so that that resonance is, it's amplified, right? And, and what we understand about resonant theory is that when... Two or more are gathered together with that intention, um, that amplification of joy and compassion and unconditional love that you're talking about is amplified not just by the two people, but amplified by like, you know, a millionfold. And so, um, and there's, there's actual numbers around this in Power versus Force, which is the work that David Hawkins did around studying human energy fields. But it's literally like, you know, a group of people coming together can literally shift the, um, the energy or the awareness. Exponentially, not just linearly. Yes, exactly, by something like, you know, 100,000
2: people. When we bear witness to that, I mean, all of the demonstrations, particularly over the last three or four months, the difference of a demonstration when sisters are present versus when they aren't is like night and day. Uh, in the last experience we had where we had the rally and folks marched in the, quote, permitted, unquote, march down to... The Harvey Milk, or excuse me, the Martin Luther King memorial at Yerba Buena. Suddenly, you could feel the restlessness in the crowd, the sense that this is not enough. And there were only like seven of us, and half of us were in mufti, we weren't in wimples. And we knew that this one lesbian was starting to have an issue with some of the police because they were trying to cordon her off. No blame. I mean, the police were really wonderful that day. I, I actually found my way to the march because the uniform motorcycle cops kept telling me which block people were on. But uh, what we did is we we went out and took to the street, and people followed us. But the intention that was set was a joyful and honest one. It wasn't violent or or obnoxious. It was really the sense of we're taking over the street because it belongs to us, and we're witnessing that with you. And uh, we were talking at the break with Mayjoy. We had this experience called Darshan she can talk a little bit about. But I think it's a highlight about how for sisters— Unlike politicians or maybe religious people sometimes who fight for power over, sisters work power through. And that idea you said of, uh, you know, people put on masks for power, we put on white face as a mirror to channel the power of the people we're working with back to them. And as you're saying, amplifying it. And it touches us and changes us as it goes through us. And certainly if there's ego there, it's going to burn it away because it's going to be painful if that blocks that flow. But we did some work uh, not too long ago that really exemplifies that, and, and I think Mayjoy, could you share a little bit, or maybe the work you're going to be doing this week the with? The Darshan 18th and
3: Castro with the Joy and the Joy triangles, and um, yeah. when I had just become a fully professor member three years ago, and there was a, a group that was going to um, 18th and Castro on Friday nights and trying to convert people in the area,
2: fundamentalists um, and, in and um, conversion therapy. And
3: I myself found myself um, feeling uncomfortable and. Queasy and sick and didn't even want to go through my neighborhood on Friday nights. And I went to the sisters and I said, sisters, I'm feeling a need to really need to do something. May I? And, um, within two weeks by consensus based decision-making, mm-hmm. we did a ritual and, um, with quorum intact. We had, 19 fully professed nuns. We, uh, painted pink triangles on the asphalt with joy across. And we did a huge ritual, Calling for nothing but joy and un, unconditional love and um, welcome, welcoming to Eighteenth and Castro for everyone that crosses through all the all the tourists and all the visitors that we get every year, and all the residents and all all the other sisters. And it became a long string of twenty of twenty four Friday nights that the sisters were doing something at Eighteenth and Castro, and um, really, really amazing work for the community.
2: Yeah, and at first it was a response to this sort of invasion of the fundamentalist energy, which for us in a real way was returning to our roots because shortly after the first day when a couple sisters walked up the Castro at Easter in in Wimples and received this incredible reaction, Anita Bryant and her people came into the Castro with their energy back in 79, and people really cowered in front of it because of the memories of that pain And it was the sisters that formed a chorus line outside of Twin Peaks and started doing body can-can numbers and encircled the fundamentalists and then danced them down market out of the Castro. And when they were doing that, the bars opened up and people poured out with their whistles and chanting and, go, sisters, go, and no more shame. And so really for us, it was kind of returning to our roots and doing that. And then very quickly, you know, the fundamentalist group sort of dissipated because we were calling out not their belief, but the untruth that they were presenting, that they were creating a loving home for gay people, but really they had another agenda. And once that was exposed and we reclaimed the space, then Mayjoy and the other sisters, we did a wonderful job of creating ritual for our people and opening up all these things that that got people talking on a Friday night in the Castro, that got buff young men and 60-year-old men laughing and giggling and twisting each other's tits on the corner And that would never happen. That would never happen on a Friday night because we compartmentalize ourselves so much. And that lingered for a very long time. And I think for us, one of the things that we've talked about is um, I had the privilege of being the mistress of missions with Sister Mary Timothy for two years and helping new foundations begin across the country. And we've doubled the size of the order in the last four years, literally, with all these new foundations in the most unlikely places like Tampa, Florida and Phoenix, Arizona— and in Birmingham Birmingham, Alabama, Alabama for God's sakes, Reno, Nevada, we've got people in Arkansas asking about us. You'd never think of it. And what's been happening in that is these new sisters look at us old sisters and they tell us that the vocation's actually very real. And in their work, you know, to be a missionary all alone, you build everything. And that's hard. And you introduce this to a group that has never seen you before. So that work is very real and they've made us all question our own vocations, and reclaim the, the reality of it. And as we led up to the 30th anniversary, all of that new energy refocused us and returned us to our roots. And then the 30th was this explosion of joy energy that reanimated all of these things. And so I think this pride is a celebration especially for me because it's like a Sisters Coming Out party again. We went through a period where a lot of our members died from HIV and AIDS, and when I first came to San Francisco in 99, it was very hard for me to be a nun. I I actually called Sister Mission Tennessee, who sent me here, and said, I don't think I can do this. I can't be a glorified usherette handing out flyers anymore. Uh, where's the ministry? And and her command was, you will stay there until it comes back, and you will show them what it's about. And the wonderful thing is slowly all these little fairy boys started coming back into the order and saying, let's go to the bars and bless people with glitter. Let's dance in the streets. And all these drag people came in going, let's put on shows and fundraisers. And people like Mayjoy, who've been an icon in the community for over 20 years in terms of social justice, came back in and said, I want to do this as a sister. And so our roots in theater, our roots in spirituality, our roots in drag performance, our roots in activism and justice have all been reawakened. And I think that's why we're growing so fast again, but also I think we're catching the pulse of our age. People are done with all the old ideas and done with all the old systems. Even President Obama, yes, we can, but only for a little while, and only for some people seems to be what we're hearing. And what the sisters have done is come right into that and say, no, we already did, honey. And you need to wake up to the fact that it's already real. Mm-hmm. That you're coming around. Right. Where, so when are you when like are it? you gonna wake up to the power that's already here? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a different message. And
3: I would just offer very quickly that we've received some really good um PR from a Fox commentator. That's really, yes. like, a spread some really great stuff. The this, sacred
2: course. Bill O'Reilly. May his name always be praised. He wow.
3: gives us better free press than anybody I know. He shows my images weekly. Mm-hmm. Well, you know,
0: one of the things, and we do have to wrap up, unfortunately, but I hope you guys will come back and have a conversation with me again in the near future. Love um, to. Is – what I'm hearing with the what you were talking about, Mayjoy, with the rituals that you were guys were doing and the intent that you put into that field, and then the change that it, as as a result is the uh, the 21st century sisters being the sacred containers for visioning the future of where we are where we are going as as a planet, and the resonant fields that you have in all of your sisterly networks across the planet. Really being able to anchor those intentions in and through the ritual and through the actions and through the communication, being able to to affect change in that in that really powerful way because of how because of the way that you are conduits because of the way that you are containers for this sacred energy. And I would really encourage anyone and everyone listening to this program to find a, a chapter of sisters near you or contact the sisters on, on their website, which is. The sisters.org
3: and please always say hello to a sister. And, and know that you've always. got nuns on your side. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, always and say and hello to sisters. How,
0: and find out how you can get involved. You don't have to introduce
3: yourself right become,
0: on. You don't have to become a sister. You don't have to take on um, sisterhood to be involved, although if you if you want to become a sister, I believe that, you know, we all have that that sister within that is just crying to come out. So there are ways that, that you can support their work and 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 dial in to, plug into, plug into that resident field. It's
3: one of the finest right. bingos in town.
2: We have a bingo coming up on July 15th at the Green Room at and the leather. War Memorial. Feather so and Leather Bingo. Feather
3: you can and Leather out,
0: Bingo.
2: You can find out all of that at the sisters.org, and you can get in touch with all of our world orders through that site, too. And I know we have to wrap up, Megan, but I wonder if we could do something with you. Uh, it really wouldn't be a sister event if we weren't somehow laying down a blessing.
0: Oh, please. And if
2: you'd permit us to do that, let's all just join Bless hands. Bless me. David if you could Each if you bus. could take that little person from between your legs there in the production room and just sort of lean into the glass that would be fabulous and uh, let's all just let's all just take a moment as this streams out over the web this weekend and we celebrate 40 years of pride and 30 years of the radical fairies and 30 years of the sisters and 30 years since our brother Harvey was murdered and 30 years since our sisters and brothers smashed those windows and made those streetcars wail because there was a cry of injustice, that we are right in the center of our revolution, that we are turning the world back to the truth that is so real for each of us. And together, wherever you are today, my sisters and brothers, my mothers and fathers and children and wonderfully gentle-spirited people, say with us this wonderful intention and make it even more real. Together, say one joy,
0: one One joy, joy.
2: more joy, more joy, always joy, always Always joy. joy. Blessed be everyone. Blessed Blessed be. Be. May joy be with you. Happy Pride. With you. Thank you, Megan.
0: Thank you for listening today. May you carry with you the blessings and the activations and the awareness of these beautiful, beautiful um, sisters and the work that they're doing. And may that inspire you to shine your own unique sisterly light inside.
2: Just a big mirror. Yeah. Namaste.
0: Namaste.
3: Namaste. Namaste.
1: Sisters, sisters, there were never such devoted sisters, never had to have a shepherd. Better keep oh. my oh. eye on her